Well, dear friends, I have some words to say about that. But before we get there, I'd like us all to just take a few moments of silence. Silence is such a precious commodity today. So let's all just take a few moments to pause and breathe and center ourselves. And then I'll pray. But let's take a few moments of silence, whatever silence is available to us. Oh, come, Holy Spirit. Come flowing or rushing or walking or running into this place. Fall upon us. Fill us and surround us, Spirit. Because we've come here needing some kind of word from you. And we know that if we open ourselves up in heart, in mind, or in body, we will not leave here disappointed. So God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts find acceptance in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Speak through us or speak in spite of us to these, your people. In your name we pray, we said together, amen. Amen. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Now, we're talking about anger today, like Gwen just talked about in the children's message. Um, I don't access my emotions very easily, uh, but I know what anger feels like. Now, that's not because I'm a really angry person at baseline. That's not why. Um, it's, I'm just a, a, a cisgender male who kind of fits into that masculine stereotype of just feeling either nothing or angry, right? I, I fit into that pretty easily. So I've been thinking about a specific time when I was angry at something specific instead of just kind of walking around with simmering rage underneath. Um, but I landed on, on, my, on my first interview with a conference board of ordained ministry. Um, this is going to kind of get into the weeds of United Methodist hierarchy. So if you're not familiar with that, just stick with me. Um, Right now, I am what we in the United Methodist Church call a provisional elder. Um, it, it's kind of the equivalent of another level of certification in a lot of other jobs. I'm a provisional elder. Pastor Becky's an ordained elder. Um, so right now, that's where I am. I interview for full ordination this coming January, which is just kind of another level of certification. That's how you could think of it. And to get to provisional membership, where I am now, there are just so many steps. I'm still in the process, so I'm not going to say anything bad about it. I'm just, it's just objectively, there are a lot of steps. <laughs> uh, but the last two big steps, with a lot of smaller steps interspersed, the last two big steps, you got to pass an interview with a body called the District Committee on Ministry. And if you pass them, they send you to the Board of Ordained Ministry. And those are the last two big steps there. And it took me three tries to get past both of those committees. My first try was fall 2017. Uh, my last year's seminary, I interviewed with the District Committee on Ministry, so that first interview here, interviewed with the District Committee on Ministry, and they said no. Now, they couched it in a lot of um, nicer, churchy language. It wasn't a no, it was a not yet, it was a still trying to make, you know those kind of words they say. It was, it was a clear no, you're not going forward this year. So I couldn't go on to the next step and interview with the board. Um, it, 
I was certainly upset at that. That night I went back home and shame ate two whole sleeves of Oreos that night. You have no experience of doing something like that, I'm sure, but that's what I did. Uh, but I, I wasn't really angry at that, right? I wasn't really that. Um, there was some other stuff going on that I could just kind of rationalize it away, say, okay, I didn't pass. Here's why I can deal with that. So I went back and interviewed with the district committee again the next year, fall 2018, and I passed that time. So I went on to interview with the board of ordained ministry. I went on to the second one, January 2019, and then they said no. And again, it was couched in this nice, churchy, diplomatic language where it wasn't a no, and it was a not yet, but it was a clear no, you're not going on to the next step this year. And that time, I really was angry at that. And when I could leave the building, because I, I, yeah, I had to fill out this form, there were some other things to do, I couldn't just walk out of the building. Um, but when I finally could leave the building, I just kind of sat in my car in the parking lot for a few minutes and just kind of screamed myself hoarse. And there's, there's some stuff underneath that, but the emotion on top was anger at that result. Now, we all have experiences with anger. We all know what that feels like. I love what, how Gwen talked about the, the bodily feelings of anger. For me, I don't know how it feels for you, but for me, it's when I get angry, I notice my shoulders start coming up, my arms start getting stiff, my throat kind of tightens because it's preparing for me to yell or scream out at something because that's what I want to do. But we all have some kind of experience with anger. We know how it feels in our body. We know how it feels in our soul and our mind. We each have different triggers for that anger. What makes me angry might not make you angry. And we all deal with it in different ways or we don't deal with it in different ways. But we all experience anger in some way. But we read in our text from James, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Now, like I said, we all experience anger. But we good Christians, we often take that to mean, and take this and a few other scripture passages, kind of like it, kind of talk about anger, and we take it to mean often that we shouldn't get angry. That that emotion is not available to us good Christians so instead of noticing and dealing with anger, we, we uh, tend, not always, but we tend to repress it and ignore it and deny that we feel it so that we can keep that calm, cool, collected, peaceful, good Christian image up, right? Maybe that's just me. Maybe you're fine dealing with your anger. But I kind of got two sides of that. That was, the, that was what I grew up in. I was a, I'm a pastor's kid, so I kind of grew up with that. But um, I forget what started it. But middle school and high school, I started getting really into hardcore and metal music. Um, I think a friend gave me a couple albums, and I started listening to it. Um, and the primary emotion in those genres and subgenres, hardcore, metal, the primary emotion is just anger, right? It's a, it's a lot of mostly white guys up on a stage screaming for the whole show with a mosh pit down on the floor, people beating each other up for the whole show, and that's just what you do at a hardcore show. That's just, that's how you do it. <laughs> now, I, I'm a pastor's kid, so like I said, like you know, I, so I was, um, we'll say, restricted in the music I could listen to. 
when I was growing up. So my, my parents, they weren't sure about all this screaming stuff. I think I brought it home like an early under oath disc and they weren't really sure about what me listening to this because it was so angry and I, we don't get angry. But I don't know if you know this, there's a really active Christian hardcore scene and a lot of actually kind of good Christian death metal bands. <laughs> and some of them are pretty good. Not all of them, but some of them are pretty good. So, um, so I, I could say to my parents when they hear what I'm listening to in my room, because you don't listen to metal softly. It has to shake the foundations of the house. <laughs> so when my parents would hear that, I could say to them, they sound angry through the, they're screaming unintelligibly through the whole album. Yeah, but it's all about Jesus. Here are the lyrics here. So you cannot say that I can't listen to this because it's all about Jesus here. <laughs> but that's partly why they weren't quite sure about me listening to this because these songs were angry and Christians don't get angry. They don't want their son listening to angry music. That's nothing against my parents. I, we have a good relationship, but they just make for a good sermon illustration. <laughs> like I made for a good sermon illustration for the first 18 years of my life. But we read again, we read again, um, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Now, I don't think our author here is talking about um, avoiding, avoiding anger as we normally think of it, as, I, as we just talked about. Our sermon starters group on Tuesday morning, we, uh, we, we read this text in the message translation of the Bible, the contemporary language version of the Bible. And I like how it put it there. In the message, they translate it as, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. Now, I like that version because, you see, anger is just an emotion, the same as happiness, the same as fear, no better, no worse, it just is. And whether or not we want to, we feel it sometimes because we are humans with emotions, with feelings, and we can't really stop ourselves from experiencing them. Now, you might be like me and not really access them very easily, but we all feel them. And we can't really stop ourselves from that, but we can control how we respond to them. And that's why I'm drawn to the message translation here. Let anger straggle along in the rear. Anger is there. It's not ignored. It's there. It's, it's given a place along with the ears, along with the tongue. And that's key because anger is just an emotion. But we all know that it does have some dangerous potential in a unique way from other emotions. It does have a dangerous potential if it's given the driver's seat, if you will. If it doesn't just straggle along in the rear, but if it starts moving up and starts leading the parade. Because unchecked anger can lead us to some dark places. I think we, we know that. Unchecked anger can lead us to some dark places. Maybe we've experienced that in our own life, the life of someone we love, seeing an example of it out in the world. Unchecked anger can lead to some dark places. Which is why we get nervous with it. Now, Star Wars has something to say about this. Um, episode one, Phantom Menace. Uh, towards the end, we find young Anakin Skywalker, eh, nine or ten years old around that time. Uh, he's standing before the Jedi Council, and they're deciding whether or not to accept him as a Jedi Padawan. Um, 
even though Padawans usually come to the Jedi Temple one or two years old when they're real little, but here's Anakin eight or nine or ten years old there, much older. And the council, they say, he's standing in the middle of this room with all, the, all these older Jedi, these space wizards gathered around him, and they sense that he's afraid for his mother. Now, again, he's an eight- or nine-year-old boy away from home with these bunch of strange space wizards staring at him. So, of course, he's afraid. Of course, he's afraid for his mom. But he doesn't get why it's a big deal that he's afraid, which I think is a good point. Why is it a big deal? Of course he is. But, but Yoda says to that, fear is the path to the dark side because fear leads to anger, and anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Now, the council decided to accept him anyway. If they just said no and sent him back home, the whole franchise would have been over right there. <laughs> but they decided to accept him anyway. Um, and the Jedi aren't crazy about emotions, even less than I am. So Anakin's fear was kind of ignored. They just meditated away or whatever they said. And that fear didn't lead to anger, which was, again, also repressed. And that anger was left unchecked. And unchecked anger is dangerous. Now, in his case, Anakin's unchecked anger led to the death of everyone he loved, the rise of the evil galactic empire, the fall of the galactic republic, and he became Darth Vader, the most iconic villain of all time. Your unchecked anger will not lead to those places. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> but we get the illustration here. So anger is not something to avoid, but an emotion to notice and then deal with. A few weeks ago, my therapist introduced me to the understanding of anger as a secondary emotion. Now, it, that was the first time I had heard about that, but since she said that, I've seen it kind of all over the place. So maybe I'm late to the party and maybe you already understood that. But anger is a secondary emotion. And like I said at the top, I don't access my emotions very easily. I still have them, I just don't deal with them very easily. But I can access anger like a good stereotypical male can. But the anger is just a surface emotion. There's always more stuff underneath that. Other feelings, other experiences causing that anger, making that anger rise to the top. And the big one is fear. Like Master Yoda said, the big one is fear, but there's also grief, there's also trauma, maybe you're overwhelmed, maybe you're lonely, maybe you're hurt, and it makes your body react with anger. So I said I was angry after failing my first interview with the Board of Ordained Ministry, and there was a lot of stuff underneath that. As I was screaming myself hoarse in the car, there was a lot of stuff underneath that. First of all, I just thought my team was wrong. They'd made the wrong call, um, and there, there was nothing I could do about that. Whether or not they were wrong, that's up to someone else. It doesn't really matter anymore because I eventually passed. But underneath that, there was disappointment. There was sadness. There was frustration. And there was grief at the loss of an imagined future. I think we've all felt that. I wasn't going to be moving forward in this process like I'd been counting on. I'd already been in this process 
for seven or eight years at that point, and now I was going to have to wait at least another year before I could move forward to just the next step in the process. So anger is not something to avoid, but it's an emotion to notice and dig in and process and deal with. But we still have another piece of our text from James. He writes later, an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Now, that sounds like it brings us right back to what we've been avoiding since the beginning, this Christian tendency to avoid anger. But I think our author is talking about something else here, because there are two types of anger. There's destructive anger, and there's constructive anger, right? Destructive anger, we're familiar with this. When we think of anger, this is probably often what we think of. Anger that causes us to destroy things or to do, to do destructive or harmful things in the world. So we, we can think of any number of examples. Maybe uh, someone wrongs us and we hold a grudge and we want to get back at them and we see how that can lead to a destructive place. We're familiar with that. But then constructive anger. We think about this a little less. Constructive anger. I think of the Black Lives Matter protests and actions that have been since 2014, 2015, whenever the movement started, and especially in the summer of 2020. Um, anger was and is one of the driving forces behind that community organizing. And the organizers channeled it and are still channeling it in a really constructive direction toward justice, toward equity. And that certainly does look like God's righteousness. This constructive anger. Not destructive anger, but this constructive anger. So ignored or avoided or repressed anger can lead to some really destructive places and won't produce God's righteousness. But anger that is noticed and is dealt with can be constructive, can even drive us to be doers of the word, as our author might say. And that's what this whole short book of James is all about, translating our faith into action. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless, or their religion in some translations, their religion is worthless. True devotion or true religion, the kind that's pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows and their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating The gospel calls us to faithful action, to grow into the image and the likeness of Christ, to live into God's new world order of justice and love right now here in the midst of this present world order. But we all have stuff that gets in the way of us doing that, gets in the way of that faithful action. So I think healthy anger, constructive anger, can do two things here, can actually help us to be doers of the word here. Like I've said, like you might have already known, anger is a secondary emotion. I have to keep reminding myself of that. Anger is a secondary emotion. There's always stuff underneath that. So anger can alert us to the stuff we have underneath the surface that we don't really want to deal with unprocessed trauma, 
unacknowledged grief, a broken relationship, a wound on our soul that hasn't healed yet. We are called to be doers of the word. We're called to faithful action. But if we jump straight to faithful action without doing the work of healing, without starting the work of dealing with this anger and with the stuff that's underneath it, that's not going to lead to faithful action. That leads to more harm as we harm ourselves, as we harm others. So we notice and we deal with our anger and we listen to what it's alerting us to, our stuff that gets in the way of faithful action. Now, anger is also constructive, and healthy anger can motivate us to faithful action, motivate us to be doers of the word. Because anger about injustice in our lives, in our community, anger about harm being done to, our, to ourselves, to our family, to our neighbors, to our community, to our world, anger about those kinds of things is a good thing. We ought to be angry about that. That anger shows that we're simply a part of the human family. Any number of examples of this. Maybe we're angry at the structures and the systems that keep people in a cycle of poverty, unable to afford uh, food or the other necessities of life. And we're, we should be angry at that. And maybe that anger can motivate us to faithful action there. Finding ways to advocate for policy change at the local level. Uh, finding ways to uh, do something like volunteering at NEMAP Food Pantry, like, uh, like Pastor Becky mentioned, or any of the other ways that we love and serve our community at King, as King Avenue Church. Anger can be a motivator behind that. As anger that's healthy and dealt with can be a motivator behind that. So may we get in touch with our anger. May we listen to our anger and hear how the Spirit is speaking to us in and through our anger. What internal work we have before us. What, what pieces of our life have to be confronted and dealt with. Or what external action our anger would draw us toward that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for anger. We give you thanks for our emotions, for our feelings, for all the ways you've given us to experience this world, even the ones that don't really feel good. We give you thanks for the anger you've given us and how it alerts us to broken pieces of ourselves and broken pieces of our world. I pray that we would be able to listen to that anger and hear what it is alerting us to, that we might be doers of the word, that we might engage faithful action in this world that you've called us to. It's in your name we pray, we all said together, amen, amen.